um, Bible verses and what it truly looks like to be a standalone cross Christ follower. Christ followers are called to be set apart, and sometimes this means having to be on your own, having to fight your own battles. What are some reasons that you think people have for saying God's not dead? Oh, that God is dead. Because they don't actually see him. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, like in the movie, the guy's reason was his mother died. Mm-hmm. And so, just reasons that cause people, events that happen, or just not seeing. Um, these two stats, um, when I read them, um, I'm reading the book, God's Not Dead. And these two were some of the stats that talked about um, 40 years ago, the cover of Time magazine asked, Is God dead? And the article went on to say that he is dead. It was written by an atheist. And then he um, used sources of other atheists to back his claim. Pretty much saying that you can't see him, so there's no way that he could be there. And then in 1999, The Economist magazine published an obituary for God. So I used this example at camp, but it's so good, I'm going to use it again. So, if you look at this painting, um, to say that there's no evidence for God is like saying that thousands of paintings, like this one of the Last Supper, in an art museum, could not have been painted because there are no artists visible in the gallery. It's pretty much just saying that, you know, there needs to be the artist standing right next to the painting. It's just like... You want God to be standing right there guiding you along the way. So the video we're going to watch next is from Survival China. And it's pretty interesting and this lady really stands up. Welcome to Survivor China. Hope you enjoyed your journey so far. Before the game can begin, you are going to participate in a Buddhist ceremony inside this 400-year-old temple. I want to assure everybody, because I realize everybody has different beliefs, this is not a worship ceremony. The people of this land want you to feel welcome. That's the whole point. So, when you're finished, return back out here to me. Thou shalt not bow down to any other God. 
you know, it really felt like worship. I mean, we're in a temple, there's the Buddha. I just couldn't do it. It was emotional for me, because I knew I did the right thing. But it was so hard. Okay, so, Leslie, you didn't make it through the whole ceremony. What happened? You know, I'm not a religious person, but I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the only time I'm going to put my face on the floor is for him. So even though I had said that this was a welcome... I really didn't want to be disrespectful, um, but it felt like worship. Worried that it might impact the next 39 days? You know, I'm really not. I'm just going to play the game and be me. They like me great. If they don't, you know... I'll deal with that. Thoughts on that? She did what she believed in. It was right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to have the, the courage to stand up. and I mean, they can say it's not a worship service, but clearly worshiping, going in there and doing yeah. what they were doing and bowing down. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know how you get more, uh, I think you get more, less worshiping than that. Yeah. All right, so today we're going to look at three points. Um, Christ followers are called to be set apart. Sometimes it means standing alone, and God gives us the courage to stand alone when it's required. Have you ever had, been, have you ever been in a situation where you've had to stand up, stand, to take a stand about something that no one else agrees with? like anything. Just, it doesn't have to be like church related. I'll give you an example. Um, like sports in my family. Um, every professional team that I like, no one else likes. <laughs> so I can argue sports with them all day long. And um, yeah, you know, that was um, so, yeah, I can take a stand against my favorite team. I can argue all day long. Any of you two have any examples of stuff like that? Okay, next question. I'll just keep giving, I'll give an example of this too. Um, was it easy or difficult? What was easy or difficult about taking your stand? Well, what was easy is that that's what I believed in. And so it was easy for me to uh, stand up for that. And it was difficult that I was the only one taking that stand. Right, so we're going to watch the clip from God's Not Dead where Josh is in a situation where he has to take a stand that no one else was taking. Professor Radisson, Philosophy 150, Introduction to Philosophical Thought. Either of those facts is news to you, then now would be your turn to leave. I understand some of you are here to satisfy your liberal arts elective requirements. If you're looking for an easy grade without much work, well then, now would be your turn to leave. So you've now enrolled at a university. Would be expected to produce 
university level work. Wow. There's always one. Michel Foucault, Bertrand Russell, Ludwig Feuerbach, Bertrand Brecht, Frederick Nietzsche, Ayn Rand, George Santayana, Democritus, Denis Diderot, David Hume, John Stuart Mill, Albert Camus, Richard Dawkins, Sigmund yeah. Freud, Noam Chomsky. The list goes on. Yeah. Philosophers, poets, scientists, authors, towering intellect, all of them. But what do they all have in common? They're all dead. Well, that would be uh, incorrect. Mr. Dawkins and Mr. Chomsky are still very much alive. Mr. G-Dog to rock trigger. <laughs> G-Dog. Anyone else? No one. Well, they are, or were, atheists. Based on the 16th century French, atheisme, from the Greek, theos, meaning God, and from the prefix a, meaning as it always does in Greek, without, in short, each of the thinkers I named took the strong position that there is no God, as opposed to the weak position of agnosticism, gnostic from the Greek nosos, to know, and again with the prefix a, meaning to not know, or more accurately, to doubt the existence of a supreme being. This semester, I propose that we refuse to waste our limited time together debating the existence of the big man in the sky, the myth of a benevolent, all-powerful, supernatural being. This is, of course, a metaphor, but an illustrative one, meaning not that God has somehow died, but rather that he never existed in the first place, other than in the depths of our forebears' imaginations. He was a useful fairy tale in ages gone by, when his fiery anger was used to explain away plagues and crop failures, diseases and disasters, which we now ascribe to bacteria and viruses, chromosomal disorders and plate tectonics. In short, science and reason have supplanted superstition, and we are all the better for it. And with your permission, I would like to bypass this senseless debate altogether and jump to the conclusion which every sophomore is already aware of. There is no God. All that I require from each of you that you fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. Along with his signature. Assuming we reach a unanimous consensus, which I expect we will, I will be spared the tedious duty of slogging through dry and dusty arguments. And you will bypass the section of the course in which students have traditionally received their lowest grades of the semester. And when you finish, please pass your papers to the right.
lowercase g. Maybe this one ought to get extra credit. Thank you. Excuse me, Mr. Wheaton. Uh, Josh Wheaton. Mr. Wheaton, is something wrong? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do what you want, Christian. No, I don't worry. You can still go back to your dorm room and sink to your knees and pray at your bedside if you'd like. What you do in your personal life is your business, but what you do in this class is mine. Allow me to explain the alternative. If you cannot bring yourself to admit that God is dead for the purposes of this class, then you will need to defend the antithesis, that God is not dead, and you'll need to do it in front of this class from the podium. And if you fail, as you shall, you will fail this section and lose 30% of your final grade right off the bat. Are you ready to accept that? Well, who would decide whether I won or lost the argument? Well, I, I would. It's not my class, my rules. Grading is my prerogative. Yeah, no disrespect, but I, I'm not sure you can be objective. What would you propose? Uh, what about them? Well, that's interesting, but why would I want to empower them? We've already won them over. I mean, I'd have to unconvince them. Get them to admit they were wrong. get three sessions, the last 20 minutes of each of the next three classes to make your case. I promise to keep my interruptions to a minimum. You may take whatever questions you'd like from the class, but it will not increase your allotted time. Of course, you'll be responsible for all the other class assignments. But, you know, you could change your mind and bring in your signed statement at our next class, and we'll go forward as though none of this ever happened. The rest of us, having dispensed with primitive superstition, will turn our focus to the issue of being in reality for our next class. Please have read David Hume's The Problems of Induction, Rene Descartes' Discourse on Method, which you may add Bertrand Russell's Why I Am Not a Christian in preparation for Mr. Wheaton's lecture. And in thanks for his failure to help us reach unanimous consensus. Any thoughts on that? The thing that stood out to me that I just noticed when we were watching it there was um, the part where he's like, you can go, it's okay, you can go back to your dorm room and yeah, on your knees, and if you relate that to this video of survival that we just watched, and um, that, you know, they were telling her, oh, it's okay, it's just a welcoming ceremony, it's not like you're actually worshiping, yeah. you know. All right, so we're going to look at Jeremiah 1, 5. Jeremiah 1, 5. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Right, so the first point we're going to look at tonight is Christ's followers are called to be set apart. The very beginning, before we were even born, God knew he wanted a relationship with us. He wants to set us apart from all other creation that we might know and love him. It's like we talked about on Sunday. If, we don't, if you don't truly understand the love that God has for you, and if you don't love God, then you can't truly love others. In this passage, God is speaking about Jeremiah. And God had a specific, special job for Jeremiah to complete. He would set him apart for that mission. If, we, if you read farther down, you, you know that at that point, uh, Jeremiah's answer to the Lord was, um, I do not know how to speak, I'm too young. And God tells him, and gives him the words to speak, and that it shows that no matter what your age is, God can use you, and he can set you apart for his goal and for his mission. In Hebrew, in Hebrews, Hebrew, um, being, with Jeremiah being set apart, meant that he wasn't common, he was special with a special purpose. Right, so now we're going to look at Acts 26, 17, and 18. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the, from the Galileans. I am sending you to them. Alright, God has called us to something special, something set apart. He calls us to bring light to the world and while that's they call all Christ followers shared. Sometimes God asks us to do it in a special, unexpected, and occasionally um, less way, and occasionally comprehensive way. Okay, so the second point that we're going to look at, with the first being Christ followers, it calls us to be set apart. The second one is sometimes that means you have to stand alone. Sometimes being set apart is a lonely place. Right, what are some items in your house that never get used or maybe get used at holidays, but then everybody is really careful with them? Most of us have common items at our house. We have a bunch of cups, plates, CDs, blue jeans, shorts, t-shirts. Um, some people have 50 t-shirts. <coughs> Not me. Aaron? No, I have 50 t-shirts. Oh, 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 okay, I thought you were actually being serious. That's, like, I have 50 t-shirts, and I just got rid of 10, like, at the beginning of the summer. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
that's me with jeans. Um, <laughs> we only have a few dishes from Grandma, Grandpa's record collection or an evening dress or two. Even being something special, something called out, valued and valuable, can be a lonely place when we're the only ones. Josh was in a room full of his peers. They were all signing the paper. The professor had already indicated his stand pretty clearly. At this, at this precise moment, maybe Josh didn't feel special and honored because he had been set apart. At this point, probably what Josh is thinking is, why am I the only one standing up? Or, you know, his first thought was probably, what am I getting myself into? But um, uh, when you're the only one standing up for something, even if it's something good, how do you deal with the fear, loneliness, and fright that comes with that moment? I think the biggest thing there is um, to understand that God's there for you. And that even though you feel like you're alone and God sets you apart, you feel like a lonely place, that you got to remember that God's always there. And that um, He's never going to give you more than you can handle. And He's put you in that situation because He believes that you can handle it and, and you can deal with what's going on. So that brings us to the third point of God gives us courage to go against the grain when it's required. Sometimes standing alone means going beyond just making a stand that everyone can accept, even though they disagree. Sometimes standing alone means going against the grain. Does anyone know where the phrase against the grain comes from? I'm going to have to Google and find out real fast. <laughs> Google's your answer to everything, though. I know, <laughs> I know what it is. Alright, so, it's actually a woodworking term. <coughs> All wood has a grain or line indicating the texture or direction the wood naturally processes. In woodworking, a general rule is to do everything with the grain, or along the natural lines and direction of the wood. So if, you're, if you paint it, stain it, sand it, you do it with the grain. Generally, going against the grain is more difficult and mars the wood, which causes scratches and grooves in the wood. It's impossible to hide those, those when you go against the grain. Going against the grain makes the grooves stand out. Sometimes God asks us to go against the grain. He doesn't just ask us to stand alone. He also places us in situations where taking that stand will create discord and disagreement, like scratches in the wood. Those situations can feel unnatural and sometimes even destructive. In Deuteronomy, Moses is handing the leadership reins over to Joshua. It's a big job with many op opponents in the way. And to reassure Joshua, Moses delivers one of the most quoted promises in the Bible. So let's look at Deuteronomy 31.6. Strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never, he will never leave you or forsake you. Standing alone 
standing up, going against the grain. We never, ever do that alone. God stands alongside us, giving us the courage to be a lone voice for Him. Surely other Christians were in Josh, Josh's class. <coughs> what do you think of those students who chose to sign the paper rather than sacrifice their grade? Repeat the question. What do you think of those students who chose to sign the paper rather than sacrifice the grades? Like, truly there was other Christians in there. I think if they, they wanted the easy way out. Well, I think if they were trying to do the Bible, they would, if they were Christians, they should have thought of one verse. So those who deny me from yeah. that, I will deny heaven. Any other thoughts? I mean, just... I think just because of what the professor said, they want the easy, they want the easy grade, and um, you know he pretty much told them that you get to bypass the part of the class where everyone has done the worst on. So I think in a way they just let that get to them, and they didn't want to have to do the work required. But you know, being able to stand up for what you believe in is more important than the grade. Is there a difference between taking a stand with your friends and taking a stand against an adult or other authority figures? In ways there is, in ways there's not. Either way, it still shows courage and take it up. You want to explain? Some people, depending on if it's an adult, you try to go against them, they'll try to act like they're older and smarter than you and tell you you're wrong. And if it's someone your age, they're going to say, well, you're just wrong and ignoring you just because they act like they're smart. You're trying to act like you're smarter than them. <laughs> if you were in Josh's place, what do you think you would have done and why? I think, I think I would have done I think I would have done the same thing, but I still have twenty minutes, I'm gonna beg and fork the entire class. <laughs> I'm not okay, you know, it's not gonna be this easy. I'm gonna need a little bit more drop. I would drop the class. I would have stood up. Yeah, but you can't just drop a class and Yeah, you can't drop well, it and fill well, it. Well I mean like it. Is it really that easy? Can you just like say, I'm done, I need a new class? Uh -huh. Yeah. Really? It really is. I mean if they get paperwork signed, but I mean, he was warned at the beginning, wasn't he? Like saying that yeah. this isn't the class you want. Uh -huh. You want the other one. Yeah. He, Have you he, seen the movie? Yeah. When he went up to sign up for his classes, he saw this cross uh, necklace. He told yeah. him that that's probably not he was yeah. in classroom. So I guess he was ready for the challenge no matter what. So I guess it was kind of his whole purpose. I just it. think he was over. He thought the guy that was telling him that was over exaggerating a little. I think. I think I would have thought he was a hothead and I probably would have got a fight with him. <laughs> yeah, I see you do I mean, it's hard. I personally haven't had to do with that being at a Christian university um, where the professors are expected to be Christians. Um, for 
Robin did have to do with that at West Texas now that she shared account and um, it's hard, but you just gotta you just gotta remember that to stand up because like y'all said a minute ago that you know if you deny Christ here then when you go up to heaven he's gonna deny you. And Matthew he talks about, you know, when they get the people at the um, they're in heaven they ask they they're yelling out, Lord, Lord, and he's like, Get away from me, I never knew you. Hey, that'd be harsh. So the last video we're gonna watch is pretty good. Yes. Statement of the affirmative. A small word with huge implications. It is so. It is as you say. Yes. 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 Just another day in high school. Everything was fine. Then bam, 46 minutes of utter terror. Starting in the library and ending the cafeteria with the words, Do you believe in God? 17 years old. Faced with death. What made her say yes? Yes, it was saying no to a life of drugs, alcohol, witchcraft, the world. And yes, to a life with God. The same God that saved her from a living death. So that in the end, she had courage to say yes. Do you believe in God? In the end, Cassie Bernal had the courage to say yes. What about you? Like, faded out, it was like, oh, done. Any thoughts about that video? Well, out. Um, yeah, what happened? Have you heard about the Columbine shooting? It happened before I was even born. Oh, uh, in Colorado, Columbine, Colorado. Uh, it was a school shooting. Um, these guys uh, went to a school, however many minutes, that 47 or whatever? shooting up the school, um, horrible things, and they went in, this girl, um, they came to this girl, and she was, I think at the library, I can't remember, um, but she was sitting there, and they held the gun to her head and said, do you believe in God? She said yes, she got shot? She said yes, died right there. First of all, you don't know, if she would have said no, they probably would have still shot her. Yeah, right. no, but I mean to say yes. First of all, when she gets to heaven, God's gonna tell her good job. You know, our absolute terror. He managed to say that because I mean, she could have said no, and maybe they wouldn't have shot her. But she, she just denied God. Yeah. yeah, I mean to have that faith to stand up and say yes. That's all three letter word. And that was the last word she said. And um, I think I'm not sure exactly, but one video I was watching it said that she was she was newer to the school, and she had started a uh, Bible study. And so they knew that she was a Christian. So the way it was going down. Um, so she probably would have got shot if she would have said no. But you know, I think they really they really tested her and. She definitely passed that test. Um, does anybody have any other comments? Well, let's talk about this.
<laughs> Why are you wearing the Germany shirt? I've been kind of wondering that too. Any discussion of this? Oh. Okay. That that will happen later. <laughs> right, any prayer request? Uh, did anybody want to prepare this surgery?